Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome back to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, where we are making old school young again. I am your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and I once again want to remind everyone that the R in OSR stands for Ryan. So, with that out of the way, uh, you guys know these people. They're great. They make amazing games. Uh, John Hambo McGuire is back, uh, trying to go blow for blow with Levi Combs to have the most appearances here on Rollin' Bones, and, uh, long overdue to come back on Rollin' Bones. It's been two, maybe even three years since he came on, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, Casey Christofferson is back with us tonight, so guys, welcome. Hey man, thanks for having us back. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Great to got be one up on me at this point, so it's... We're getting close. Yep. Absolutely. And then at some point, Tim Mathias from Knights and Nerds is also going to want to get in on that action. So we'll have a three-way race for most appearances. Love it. So we've got you guys on here tonight. I wish I had thought to schedule this earlier, uh, but with you know everyone's schedule being what they were, what they were this was kind of the, the best time to do it. Uh, but you guys just wrapped up an Indiegogo campaign for a Halloween double feature of adventures for 5e OSR systems and Castles and Crusades. So, uh, you know, we're this is basically our Halloween episode for this year. So, so we're going to be talking about these adventures. We're going to be talking about Halloween traditions. And I want to kick things off uh, just to ask you guys what your typical Halloween tradition is uh, when that time of year rolls around. John, you want to well, go first? Sure. So for me, you know, I mean, for me, it's 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 Halloween all year <laughs> round. I love it. Uh, Halloween is my favorite holiday, though. It's to me like the biggest holiday of the year. You know, I know I get heat from my mother because she's like, "What about Christmas, Johnny?" And I'm like, "It's Christmas, is cool, but like Halloween has my heart." So, you know, every year I make sure that I watch a good number of horror movies or horror programs throughout the course of the month. You know, and, and I used to make sure I did one a day for the entire month, but it kind of became like untenable. And then like, there were some things like I, I just had seen so many things that year already that I, I felt like I didn't pace myself. Right. But the one true thing I do every year is I saddle up to wherever is selling count Dracula and I buy a bunch of boxes. I used to buy all the different monsters, but I'm kind of like in the end of the day, all I want is count chocolate. So right now I have five, Four family-sized boxes on top of my pantry, uh, and that is the restock from the the beginning of the month. So, uh, Count Chocula is my guy. I love it, and that's that's my real true Halloween tradition every year. Gotcha. That's pretty great. I love all of those cereals. Uh, 
so our tradition let me see uh we watch a lot of the movies we watch we got about four movies that were there are uh, like must sees we uh trick-or-treat gotta watch trick-or-treat gotta watch og halloween gotta watch uh what we refer to as the good dracula movie and uh creep show gotta watch gotta watch creep show and then uh, we try and stuff in a bunch of new stuff try and see some new things see if there's any uh horror out there that's uh, really biting uh we had one tonight i'm not even gonna bother mentioning it it was pretty bad i, I actually had to apologize to the family for uh leaving early and, and sparing myself seeing the last 15 minutes of it to be here tonight <laughs> uh it was pretty bad and it was my pick so my bad uh we do the we do the whole thing though we've got i don't know if are we on video yeah yeah we're on video oh good so like we got masks hanging up all over the place love it <laughs> we've got uh we we do halloween lights and uh, my wife and i uh dress up in costumes to hand out candy to the kids and and that kind of stuff so last year uh, we had kind of a she dressed like a witch and i, I dressed like the uh crimson ghost uh, from the misfits and handed out candy while we listened to uh danzig and misfits and slayer in the in the front yard nice there you go <laughs> you know how it, for New Jersey, it's kind of like you gotta you're gonna get you gotta. like New jersey you have to get the crimson ghost when you say the good Dracula, you're talking Lugosi, you're talking Christopher Lee. Well, see, I watched, uh, oh, well, see, then I, I watched three of them. The rest of the family, not so much. They, they call the good one the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. All right. Which is a really good one. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I watched the Bella Lugosi one. I like to watch the Spanish version at least once every couple of years. So. That's great. Good one. I love it's, that. It's yeah. actually the scarier of the two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, uh, Christopher Lee, though, I think, you know, after all these years, he brought he, it. He really, he de really defined as much as, you know, well, Bella. You know, Gary Oldman does right. that ode to him in the, uh, in the uh, Coppola directed one because he yeah. turns his face and he's in his eyes are that red and it's the exact same red as the uh, Christopher Lee red eyes. Mm -hmm. So, so good. Yeah, the the thing about that uh, the the Christopher Lee Dracula movies, it, it it's the way that he and Peter Cushing kind of play off of each other. I think that that oh, also yeah. makes it because I mean Peter Cushing is amazing. I, I don't think people talk about how uh, truly brilliant he was because in everyone's mind he's basically just Grand Moff Tarkin and and that's it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that blew my mind when I was younger when I figured that out. You know, because Christopher Lee. Not Chris Lee, uh, Peter Cushing's always looked like ill. He always has this pall of illness, and even even you know when he's a Grand Moff Tarkin, he just looks like he's just gotten over something. And then you know you see him back in the Hammer Horror films, you're like, well, he's he's always kind of had that like pallor yeah. about him. Yep. You know? yeah. <laughs> I think that may have been fairly common amongst uh, gentlemen of his age in that in that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in those eras, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No yogurt, CrossFit back then. What's what's a vegetable, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Now, the, the, uh, oh, sorry. The, go ahead, uh, Casey. We watched the uh, Black Sunday or Mask of the Devil. Oh, I'm sorry. It, I might be getting a little lag, and I apologize. Yeah, the Black Black Sunday Mask of the Devil. Uh, so I was like taking photos of that and sending them to Levi as I was watching it. Uh, <laughs> and then he quickly reposted it up on. The I'm Games sure it's on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure it's on Instagram somewhere now. <laughs> yeah, so for us, um, I don't have many Halloween traditions. I grew up in a house where everyone was like, we don't really care all that much about Halloween. It's not that my parents were against it. They just didn't. 
we lived in a rough neighborhood, so trick-or-treating was not in the cards for us most years. Uh, my church, instead of doing like a trunk-or-treat thing, they were like, we're not even going to acknowledge Halloween at all. We're going to celebrate Martin Luther's Reformation and call it Reformation Day. So that was kind of just the ethos that I grew up in. My wife loves Halloween, so we're kind of building our own traditions. Um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But but one thing that I absolutely will not let go of is on Halloween, before we go out, we eat chili. That's awesome. That's good. That's good. It's a good tradition. It's because, I mean, it's usually cold. You want a hearty meal to, to, you know, keep you going, so we eat chili. You doing beans or no beans? beans. Uh, before you go. We do there beans. you go. Yeah. Doing it right. Yeah. And then there's one movie, and it's not a particularly scary movie, and I'll say it's also not a particularly good movie. But Disney Channel back in the day did this movie called Phantom of the Megaplex. That I've is, seen it, yeah. Okay. It is. Okay. It's very often overlooked because of the Halloween Town movies, but yeah. I, it's my favorite of those like Disney Channel kind of pseudo horror movies for kids. What about the uh, what about their uh, Ichabod Crane? Because that's actually legit pretty scary. Yeah, and that's also one of our traditional shows. We watch that one, and then my wife likes the uh, Tim Burton uh, Headless Horseman as well. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to segue, but, you know, the cover of Heresy of Rot is the Headless Horseman. And, it, it, you know, people say, yeah. well, what's your favorite monster? What's your favorite, like, slasher? And, like, for me, like, you know, I would keep going back and forth. And every so often, I'd be like, it's the Headless Horseman. When I was a kid, you know, I remember watching that cartoon. And, you know, say what you will about Disney, you know, mm-hmm. pre, like, the 80s and, like, you know, pre, like, you know, softening everything up. Um, you know, they did some scary stuff back with their animation back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like, you know, the, the the pumpkin flying through the air at the screen, engulfed in flames. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> that was Horseman. Yeah. The, the scariest movie I'd seen as a child was uh, Snow White, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one of the ones that had me crawling inside my mom's sweater to hide my eyes from what was going on as soon as she turned into the crone and... It's like, yeah, get me out of here. Yeah. There are three kind of like really major level terrifying Disney creations, kind of pre-Disney Renaissance, in in my opinion. Um, and they're not creations of Disney per se, but uh, the Horn King from the Black Cauldron is terrifying. Mm-hmm. The Headless yep. Horseman is terrifying. Yep. And Chernabog is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all yeah. scary. Yeah, you throw all that in there with Watership Down, and that's why all the people in my generation are in therapy. Put that right over the plate. <laughs> and my therapy, well, I can't even get anyone in therapy to return my phone calls. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, what's going on with you? And I, I give them like 11 things, and they're like, that's seven too many things. We'll get back with you. They never call again. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Watership Down? <laughs> <laughs> Lose my number. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that uh, Poloniak uh, book, The uh, Soul Survivor. <laughs> mm. 
Yep. <laughs> a horse sinking into the box. And what's the movie? The I Never tell you. Story. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. They were really out for us when we were kids, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, they, they didn't give uh, Mike, Mike his generations any favor either. You know, they got bridged to Terabithia, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is just a cute little show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, all that could avoid have been avoided with the cell phone, you know? Like say, <laughs> cell phones, like, they, they break movies, but let me tell you, that would have just saved me a lot of childhood trauma. <laughs> They're like, hey, how'd you go to grandma's house? All right, I guess I won't go across the bridge to Terabithia today. It's raining anyway. And I'll check the weather app. Oh, torrential downpours. It's yeah, probably bad. <laughs> so, since you mentioned it, and, and you know, talking about the, the cover being an homage to uh, the Headless Horseman there, uh, let's go Ooh. ahead and start with Heresy of Rod. I talked a little bit about it with Levi last time he was on the show, but... Uh, Hambone, I'll go ahead and just kind of give you the floor to, you know, give everyone the rundown on what they can expect from this or, you know, your elevator pitch or however you want to kind of introduce Heresy of Rot here. So Heresy of Rot is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a Valentine Hammer Horror. And it really is me and Levi putting our heads together and coming up with an adventure that, you know, depending on how long you can play with your friends or how fast uh, your dungeon master runs the adventure uh you could do this over one night you can do it over a few nights but the crux of it is you know you enter this mysterious town and things aren't what they seem and you need to stop uh this invasion of of rot and evil that's pouring over from another realm and it takes you through the whole town. Uh, it takes you through uh, a haunted house in the middle. It takes you to another realm. And it's got a lot of nods and a lot of nice little Easter eggs uh, for a lot of movies that you know we all grew up watching and knowing and loving. And finding a way to give you a really authentic, hot, classic Halloween horror experience when you are playing, you know, you know, fantasy role playing with your friends. You know, we did it for five E castles and crusades and uh osr so uh three great ways to play and uh, no wrong way to do it now when it comes to running horror in rpgs because as you kind of alluded to there in some of these games it can be a little hard to create genuine horror especially uh, in a game that's kind of largely based around fighting monsters uh so right as you have, you know, had this kind of meteoric rise, as as I see it uh, from from my perspective here, in your developing career, Hambone, how have you, you kind of discovered the, the best way to write uh, horror adventures for RPGs like this? Like, what kind of tricks have you discovered that, that work and really make, uh, you know, re- really make things kind of scary or at least atmospherically scary? So... Thank you, first and foremost. That was very nice to say. Uh, Secondly, you know, it's about pacing, I think, because, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, Ryan, you know, Stu from Vintage RPG has this great quote, horror equals helplessness, Mm -hmm. right? It's genuinely hard, especially when you are playing a game like 5e where at every single level you are more powerful than you should be. And I'm not shitting on 5e, but that's just, it is the way it is comparatively to other 
styles of fantasy role playing games. Mm-hmm. Definitely you heroic know? adventure. Yeah, it's definitely heroic adventure. So you, it's about kind of finding the pace and finding ways to keep the players off balance and keep them guessing. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you roll into the first scenario in Heresy of Rot, you think you're getting one thing and then the the battle actually morphs into something else. You know, so you see what's coming your way and you're like, oh, I got a plan for this. And then it, it turns and you're just like, oh, but I, I knew it was going to be that. But I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, making sure the players have complete autonomy to make the decisions that they want to do without railroading them. But at the same time, giving them scenarios where if they don't roll the right way, it's going to have more of a consequence than, oh, you get a, pe- a minus two penalty. It's like, well, you might get sucked into your own mind and you're the only one who's experiencing what you're experiencing. And so your, 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 buddies, your, your buddies are sitting there like, what's going on? And you're just sitting there like with this big look in your eye and, you know, the dungeon master describing you have the big look in your eye. And, you know, your friends just see you, like, just standing there kind of aloof, but, you know, you're actually being, like, psychically tormented by, like, a ghost or something, like, evil or sinister in there. Or they may roll a bad saving throw and weigh 300 pounds with armor on and fall through two staircases into a basement. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Because that's that's the thing, too. It's, it's also about <laughs> using environmental. Um, environmental. Mm-hmm. Environmental is big because... <clears throat> I don't know if you, have you ever seen the movie The Changeling? I haven't. All right. I highly recommend it. It's one of the best haunted house movies you'll ever see. It's George C. Scott. The first time I saw it, I hated it oh, yeah. because I wasn't ready for it. Because, like, I, I wasn't really, like, you don't look at George C. Scott and you think this is going to be good horror, you know? Mm. But I watched it again. And the second time I watched it, there's a lot of nuance to it because the house, in so many ways, is alive. And so one of the things that I do, you know, and that we did, Levi and I did together in this, we did the, you know, haunted house in the middle. Um, the house is alive, but it's not like a monster house is going to fight you, but it, it's got its own personality. It's got its own vibe. And if you cross it the wrong way, things are going to happen. And, you know, environmental things are happening. A band comes to life, you know, musical instruments, you know, the wallpapers peeling. So, you know, you build it like that, but then constantly turn it on its axis again because you know you, you've got your first encounter is this your second encounter is drastically different and then the third part it turns again um and by doing that you, you really do keep the players off balance and you keep them guessing and by the time it turns for the second time you get you you kind of give them you know a worry because now they don't know what to expect and part of the thing i think that makes horror a problem in most fantasy games is that it's up to the dungeon master the game runner the keeper of secrets um the chill master to try to instill what they think horror is on their players instead of just keep turning the scenario a little bit and adjusting things and letting the players be responsible for their own horror and kind of now they're creating their fantasy book and now they're creating yep. scenarios in their own head. Now they're, they're, they're expecting the worst and trying to plan for it. And then it just doesn't come and it just kind of keeps them kind of guessing the entire time. So it kind of takes the pressure off the, the person running the game. If you can just turn the screw enough that you let the players take care of the rest of their own brains. So that's, that's, that's kind of my approach for writing horror 
in um, in RPGs. And uh, Casey, I will turn the same question on you to keep keep you in the conversation here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what kind of tips and tricks have you developed, both for kind of writing these horror adventures and running them in effective ways for uh, your players? Well, it's it's become kind of a there, there's a there's a there's always a point of no return in horror. There's always a point of a discovery or you have discovery, you have rumor, discovery, then you have the point of no return, and then you have the stuff gets weirder until eventually there's a, the the culmination of whatever the whatever the the thing is going to be. So in order to keep characters guessing, uh a lot of times I implicitly put it into the uh, instruction, into the module, uh, roll some dice and then just kind of laughs, you know, sinisterly uh, to the characters. And then uh, when they ask you what that meant, say nothing. Uh, <laughs> you know, these are, these are things that you're, you're creating the table tension by, by just messing with people's heads. And uh, you can, you can do that in, in subtle ways. Uh, the other thing is, um, uh, I've noticed uh, with fifth edition, it's uh, hard to kill people with their hit points, but it's easy to kill people with the effects of uh, th- things like fear and poison and paralysis and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, uh, exhaustion, you know, so you kind of hit them with enemies that don't hurt them the way they think they're supposed to get hurt. And so they come across an enemy they fairly easily dispatch, but they come out of the fight with two levels of exhaustion. Well, haha, now you're three, four levels away from being dead. Mm-hmm. See? And, and now they have to start thinking about that. They have to start rationing. And when you get fifth edition characters to have to start rationing when they can take naps and when they can <laughs> recover their spells yep. and when they can recover their hit points, suddenly they're starting to twiddle their fingers at the table a little bit like hey man if i get another encounter like that last one my dude is just gonna be dead and now here's the trick do that and still make it fun and that's been that's been one of the things i look for in a lot of adventures by other authors and things like that and you know by the uh, standard setters and are they doing that are they are they creating encounters that are uh, making me think about how I'm using my resources and how I'm uh, managing my chances of survival. And, you know, and and that makes a big difference, especially a lot of these players we have are very much number cruncher players and they're very much Mm -hmm. min max players. That's, uh, you know, they get and watch the videos all day long on how am I going to make my character the most devastating thing uh, to uh, really, really kick ass in my D and D game. And it's like, they don't know that there's people like myself out there who, I write adventures to eat those characters. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know, a good video game analogy. A lot of people play the Skyrim, right? You play like a big uh, buff, you know, like charge into battle and kill everybody in front of you like a two-handed warrior type person, right? Mm-hmm. And the first time you come across the, one of those uh, ice wizards that just cast Wall of Ice right under your feet, so you're coming... And now you're taking every shard of that thing and you're suddenly your massive kill the uh, final dragon boss and one hit guy is like dead before he's halfway to the wizard that he was trying to take out. 
now I have to learn how to play this game all over again because that isn't yeah. working the way that it did before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now, do I do I mean, that with Fungus God? Yeah, it's uh, it's the idea. I, I've I've played it with uh, people who are very new to gaming. I've played it with young players. I've played it with uh, people at conventions, and I've played it with my so-called alpha boss team. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my my play testers who like to break everything I make. Just uh, you know, oh, you're not a designer, burp, burp. you know. These are people I've known for twenty years, and uh, they they like to hurt my feelings. And that's okay. So, uh, and then they, they least... skip everything they they went straight almost to the end and they got they got handled pretty bad they almost all died and then they're like Mm -hmm. oh so this is a challenging adventure after all i'd like to play this again sometime and do it the way i would have normally done it you know (laughs) so yeah Hmm. yeah yeah something that i've kind of discovered um when i'm trying to kind of create craft a horror type scenario in my games uh, also to use a video game analogy i take kind of the uh system shock 2 or uh bioshock approach of you're going through somewhere where something terrible happened very recently and you can see the aftermath of something came through here and did something horrifying and it's still there. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love a little telegraphing <laughs> because that just that little bit like you walk and you see like claw marks against something and you're like <laughs> that it, that wasn't part of the decor when they built this house, you know? Yeah. And that that's uh, that's what I I really did with the fungus god is is exactly that thing. They're they're either sent there for some reason, or they cross paths with uh, these patches of mushrooms all growing in one direction, you know, wh- one way or the other. But that's their that's their first indication. Okay, well this is weird. You know, we're out in this big grassland prairie, and there was like this big flash in the sky. The earth rumbled, and uh, something happened this way. And as would happen in any event in an, in some kind of fantasy ancient world, I would say even in our ancient world, if you heard a rumble. And it was 5,000 years ago and you saw a light flash up in the sky. There's two options. Your whole tribe is going to see what happened or your whole tribe is leaving. Yep. You know, and so we're under the premise that our heroes are going to go find out what's going on. Uh, And as they pass through, uh, they, they, they come across monsters who would normally be their adversaries and enemies or who would chase them off their land who are like freaking out. They're absolutely freaking out. Their whole uh, life culture, whatever, has been upended in the last 24 hours. I live in the tornado zone, you know, in Tornado Alley out here, in the middle of Kansas. You know, there's people we know who are affected by tornadoes on a on a regular. You know, they were talking that that terrible hurricane that happened in Florida that was coming right at them. You know, my parents live down by Tampa, and it's like. I'm worried about my mom and dad. Mostly I'm worried about my mom. And then I think to myself, this woman's been directly impacted by two tornadoes in her life. Is she really bothered by what's going on right now? You know, I mean, one time she dropped me and my uncle into a crawl space and dove in on top of us. Luckily, the tornado was miles away. And the other time was uh, she was trying on her wedding dress before she married my dad and it destroyed my grandpa's garage and ripped the roof off. Their house. You know, she's she's been there, done that. I don't need to worry about. She's 72 and she's going to handle it, you mm-hmm. know, 
but uh, in, in Fungus God, they get going and they see this destruction around them. And they can literally, at some point, they can see the monster crouching in the distance. And it's the biggest thing they've probably ever seen. It's like 300 foot tall, 300 foot wide. And it's just glowering there, unmoving. And it's like, but there's forests of fungus growing out from underneath it armies of fungus creatures are starting to sprout to life and stomp out from the crater that it's created and now you're in that situation where well something's happening and do we try to run or do we go and try and stop this before it eats our whole planet you know and so that's that's the odds that they quickly find themselves facing so i like giving them extraterrestrial or interdimensional stuff i like giving them uh bad options of what they get to do, <laughs> hmm. you know? And I like giving them uh, uh, surprises. Enemies that would normally, people that would normally be enemies and monsters may want to team up. And then that creates a whole dynamic because it changes the way that uh, that your uh, Joe Platemail the third hack master himself uh, has to think about the game because those hobgoblins he told to go, you know, fly a kite, suddenly he might need their whole army to help stave off this fungus invasion. Yeah. So it, it forces them to actually play. It makes them think, it makes them play instead of, you know, just kind of going through the motions, which I feel a lot of D&D games end up succumbing to. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, to echo that, and I think I, I completely agree with that, everything you said there, because, you know, it really is hard to motivate D&D players, especially seasoned players, to really do anything or take any chances or kick open doors. Because even though they're like all tanks in their own way, you know, it's not like, you know, playing first edition where like your wizard has like, you know, one to five points. Yeah. Yeah. And a hard fart will kill them. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's hard to get people motivated to, to, to make those kinds of decisions. So, I, I mean, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great way to kind of get people who normally wouldn't, you know, get off the bench to fight until they have to, but feel like they could win any fight that they get into to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Now, uh, since you kind of, in, in your explanation there, gave us a little bit of an elevator pitch for uh, what what they can expect from, uh, from that adventure from Fungus God from Outer Space, uh, I will move to another question for you, Casey. Uh, and this mm. is from kind of an artist perspective. Uh, one of the things that I really like and really value in RPG art is the ability for a single image to kind of set the imagination wild. When it comes to horror games, how, how do you go about kind of creating that, you know, evocative image with artwork or, or you know, curating artwork that creates that sensation mm-hmm. for the people who are going to be picking up this book. What, what do you kind of look for when you're, when you're working on stuff like that? There's a certain, you, you know, you kind of hit it. Certain artists have got it when it comes to like creepy, scary artwork. And uh, <clears throat> some artists like, I, I can't do cutesy. I'm, I'm pretty good at drawing monsters. I've, I've been painting monsters, making monsters for, most of my adult life and uh i've I've gotten to where i'm i I consider myself a a pretty decent at it uh but uh 
you know, you want that uh, that kind of uh, people who can command lighting. All right. Uh, all of the folks that I used on these particular books are experts at, at lighting and creating atmospheric uh, terror through their color palette. And uh, we, we actually wanted to make sure with uh, Heresy of Rod and Fungus God that they, they followed a, a particular color palette. My color palette is uh, actually from uh, the game Centipede, which is one of the inspirations for the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew and uh, so if you look at the, the color palette that's chosen, the fonts that we used, all of that kind of stuff, uh, I got Ed Lavalli, who's a pretty, pretty goddamn good comic book guy, uh, did the uh, design for me for the uh, Fungus God from Outer Space logo. Um, and uh, Mike Sirgos, uh, you know, he, he's going to be that guy. He's perfect at lighting. He's a, he's a student of the Frazetta school. You know, he's into that... Uh, the kind of letting the colors lay next to each other and tell you what they're going to do, you know? And uh, so being, being a master of color, uh, Adrian Landeros, he's one of my students from when he was in school. And that kid is, he's just solid gold. He's going to be super famous. He's in that struggling, starving thing, like all of the rest of us are right now, but man, he is so good. And he has always understood light and he understood it almost uh, instinctually. You know, and and he will sit and he would watch like videos from uh, artists and uh, you know photographers talking about how they were using light to create form and stuff like that. That's not stuff I told him to do. That's stuff he was independently doing on his own. Um, and we have uh, uh, Quentin Sobruyard. He did the cover for uh, the uh, Heresy of Rot, and we just basically kind of chose those colors. We we had him do the cover first because that was like the most you know, it wasn't the most evocative note. It was just, it was like, you know, we needed to get it in uh, circulation for uh, advertising, right? And who's the guy who's going to get it done and have it most the most pro in the time I needed it is obviously uh, Quentin. Quentin's a Frenchman. He's amazing. And uh, so I sent it to him. He does it. And then I sent his cover to all my other artists. And I said, this is our color palette for this book. And so they chose an Adrian who did, coffin's grave and uh he, he used those colors to paint those images you know and again then he added his texturing and his lighting style in there and then i sent those pieces of art over to uh, uh sid quinn who's this another great artist out of kansas city and oh, yeah uh, and i was like hey comic strip this <laughs> we want these ads we want it to look like you know it's it's old horror like you know Creepy, eerie, creep show, all those comics yeah. of uh, the the big big format comics. I'm a huge fan of those. You know, a lot of a lot of the guys were reading all of the superhero books, and I was kind of poor, and I had to limit my expenditure. So I bought oversized Savage Sword of Conan, Savage Tales, Creepy, Eerie, Heavy Metal. My parents didn't care; they bought me all of that stuff, or, or let me. They bought it for me with my money that I earned from my jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But that, that's where I go with that. I, I want uh, these guys uh, have good lighting. Uh, and then you want to create a, a level of tension, visual tension. You don't necessarily have to have ultra-violence and gory and grotesque stuff to be ultra-violent and gory and grotesque. Uh, and, you know, Adrian proves that over and over again. He's got some pieces coming out this year that are uh, they're, 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 they're like um, Geiger 
and and guys like that uh they're like Hieronymus Bosch you know mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> so yeah it's uh some of these some of these artists I, I like kind of key in on artists who are really good at making creepy stuff that look like that that era of yesteryear horror comics that uh, a lot of us in our late 40s early 50s uh, grew up in mm-hmm. all the best stuff all yeah. the best stuff ah, i love it yeah well, one of mine and and this also gets into an artist that i know hambone is a huge fan of uh just from listening to vintage rpg as often as i do um this is something that russ nicholson does really well mm-hmm. uh it's Absolutely. also it's also something that uh uh kentaro miura did really well yeah. in on berserk and that's the idea yeah. of highlighting these little tiny details that once you notice them you can't stop looking at them that's something that's really uh kind of creates the most nightmares in my mind is i didn't realize just how many mouths that thing had and now i can't stop thinking about it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah stuff like that is is important i think yeah you know, i wasn't involved in the art art well, choice which... or... oh you first go for it oh no i was just gonna say i can't i can't leave uh uh hector rodriguez out of out of the equation for the uh, heresy book as well he did all of the uh, monsters which are going to be in token packs so the people who play vtt are going to be able to get all of the monsters from the book as uh, token packs pretty pretty quickly and i'm going to wait in case it's a question so i'm going to save the rest for in a little bit but uh, yeah hector hector is also really really talented he's a chilean artist and man he's also a, a dnd player uh he he know he knows the game he so he's great to work with because he he gets it from that gamer level which uh, not all of my artists necessarily even play mm-hmm. so they're they're familiar with the lore but that's about where it ends yeah i mean i was going to say that i wasn't involved in the art choices or anything for mm-hmm. raw or fungus god from outer space however uh you know i i trust people and I trust people that they know what they're doing. I trust people that, you know, just one conversation with Casey. And I, I knew that whatever he wanted to do was going to be A-OK. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't really worried about it. And then, you know, when you are a independent creator and you're writing these books and, you know, you get that little email, that little picture message, and it's like a piece of art. It is the biggest, like, endorphin pop. Mm-hmm. And if you got a lot of art in the book, you're just like, oh, feeling good today. It's Wednesday. What's going on? Oh, new art day. And you're like, yes. And, like, you... You know, because, you know, you're a fan of it, too. And you're a fan of it. And then you sit you sit back and you're like, well, shit. I can't believe I had a hand in writing something that when someone gets handed it to them, one, they're going to have a really great time with their friends. And two, they're going to pop like I did for the art because the art is so good. All, all the art that I've seen for, for Heresy of Rock, all the art that I've seen for Fungus God, I'm just sitting here and being like, you know what? If I wasn't involved in being part of the team that worked on it, I would pick this up off a shelf and be like, all right, well, I'm buying it. And I would just enjoy sitting down and reading it and be psyched to run it because uh, it's that good. It is It is just that good. And I'm so proud of the work that we all did together. And I know, like, I honestly know that when people get their hands on this, like no shit, no pitch here, I'm telling you, you're going to have a blast with it. If you're into this kind of stuff, man, it, it is exactly what you are looking for. So good. Yeah, I... 
if there's anyone in kind of the the creative space right now who can assemble just like a murderer's row of talent, it is Casey. Uh, that's yeah. appreciate that. That that's <laughs> been one of the things that I've really appreciated about like your your contribution to this. Obviously, you make great stuff as well, but you also gave us in a way you you gave us Ed Bickford, uh, you yeah. gave us Adrian. <laughs> Uh, you, yeah. You've brought several just amazing artists to the table over yeah. the past few years, and and Twelve yeah. Fam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... Twelve Fam is amazing. Uh, it's a, it's uh, I've been able to I've been I've been blessed. It's for me. I, I inherited one of them. I inherited uh, is uh, Colin Chan, and man, 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 love that dude's work. It's like when I talk to him on the phone, I'm the one going. I'm talking to Colin, you know, I'm talking to Colin Chan because I'm such a fan of his work. Um, mm-hmm. Artem Shikayev was uh, one of my students and he is, it's like, uh, it, I was at the uh, Da Vinci uh, 3D kind of uh, animation thing they got in Vegas uh, about a week ago. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, what's, what's uh, Da Vinci's quote and me being a bad art teacher, it's, uh, you know, is it, was it sad as the people who doesn't, uh, you know, surpass the master? Is, is more or less the uh, the quote. And when I look at uh, when I look at Twan, when I look at Adrian, when I look at Shakayev, you know, uh, Faith uh, Berger, these are a lot of these kids' artwork is in our uh, Toma Toma Horrors books, you know. And it's like, yeah, they're better than me. And I mean, I'm 50 years old, and I've been doing this professionally since I was like 26 or 27, you know. And it's like, as far as making art for books. You know, that's that's my career uh, prior to uh, getting into the writing side of thing. And then I did the writing side of thing for what, about 15, 16 years. Well, I'm still doing it, but I'm more uh, art directing now. And uh, it's just watching these artists blow up and blossom. Uh, one of the one of the gals who worked for us, uh, she's an amazing artist, is a Santa Norvice. And she worked for me for peanuts for years with, uh, you know, frog guys and Necromancer. Not that we pay peanuts. It's just compared to, like, people in the video game market. You know, we can't yeah. pay those salaries. I wish we could. You know, pe- yeah. people who are in your top hundred on the uh, Amazon list of bestsellers. I wish we could pay what they pay their cover artists. It's just, it's it's not a reality of this business, and never has been. And I'll be Daddy Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, but yep. uh, Santa. I was looking on her art station to show her off to my current batch of students because because her work was really good when she came to us and then it just got better and better because I kept forcing her to do characters and figures and stuff and she's more landscapes and landscapes you know I'm like yeah but I want you to do this want you to do that I'm fine and um, she's very good very good and her one of her pieces she did the uh, concept art for the last scenes of season three of the umbrella academy for pixel mundo where she works now Mm -hmm. because she she took her portfolio from us and finally went out there and just gutted up and applied to the spots that she wanted the jobs for and she got the job and so here she is i'm like i feel like you know oh you know (laughs) when you when you're like a dad and you see your kid do something amazing you know Mm -hmm. it's like i feel that feeling when i see these folks who worked for me go on and do these more successful things and go on and get with their career and you know, I, I wish we had more work to hand out, really, and I'd, I'd love to work with more artists, and I'm always kind of hiring people, trying them out, and giving them a shot, people whose aesthetic kind of fits in with our writing and with our uh, kind of mojo of the creatives that we have around us. You know, those are the folks I'm looking to hire, and uh, 
I get five, six, uh, you know, a week that folks send me. Uh, I'm a little late because I've been ill, um, but uh, and I'm out of town, so I'm, I've been. I got a few of them I need to get back to, but I, I do try to take the time to give them all a paragraph or two, you know, of this is what I like about your work. This is what I like about your hustle coming after me. Uh, can I use you today? And if I can, I try and send them something to see what they'll do if they are in our budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I get some really good people who they get the real good money and I, I can't pay for them. <laughs> I wish I could. Yes. Yeah, so- one of the best things I ever heard about, uh, kind of along the lines of that Da Vinci quote you'd mentioned, uh, this came from a guy who Hambone will recognize. I don't know that you'll uh, know this name, Casey, but Brutal Bob Evans, one of the uh, one of the best guys that I ever met in my very brief time uh, in in the wrestling world. Uh, I was at one of his seminars, and he said. Uh, the thing that I like about being the coach is that I'm in all the books. It's true. <laughs> when they write their book, my name's going to be in it. And and right. I thought yeah. that was just yeah. kind of like perfect. Poor is the pupil who does not surpass the master. There it is. Poor is the yeah. pupil who does not surpass the master. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, and, and honestly, you know, it's a privilege when someone that you gave a shot to or someone that you kind of tutored or mentored, like mm-hmm. to, to be able to see them surpass you. Um, if you if you are a person and your ego can accept that, it's a true privilege. It's it's a, it's the it's the biggest compliment in the world to see someone that like, you know, you gave a hand to, to be able to get to that next level and to see them surpass you and to see them like thrive and succeed. Like, I mean, that's, that's the real feather in your cap. Yeah. And if you, if you are the kind of person whose ego can allow that, it's a gift. It really is. A, it's a, something very special. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking also of mentors, uh, one guy that you have kind of counted amongst your mentors in becoming an RPG creator Hambone is, of course, Levi Combs. So what was it like to get to work directly with him on this project? It was really cool, man. It was it was really cool, man. Because, like, you know, I'm a fan of Levi. Like, I, you know, before before he and I became friends, I was a fan. I was, you know, he. I want to say, you know, I talk, you want to talk about someone with hustle. Yeah. The man practically invented the word. I, I want to say oh, yeah. four years ago, maybe it was three or four years ago, he hit us up or hit Stu up, I think, to, to come talk about his stuff. And Stu had bought uh, a couple things from him. He's like, yeah, yeah, cool. We'll bring you on. And we, we had him on to do an interview. And, like, just from that day, I was like, yeah, me and this dude are going to be friends. And, like, you know, we talk we, we talk almost every day. And we're always bullshitting. We're always bouncing ideas <laughs> off each other. And before he brought me on, which I am immensely grateful for, before he brought me on to this project, like – you know, like, he'd be like, hey, Ambo, what do you think of this? And I'd be like, oh, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, hey, man, what do you think of this? And then, like, you know, when I needed to launch my first Kickstarter, when I needed to really understand the the landscape of publishing RPGs, man, he was he came right in. He, yeah. and, you know, I call him a mentor. He's my friend, but he, he was my, he is my mentor. And, like, you know, everything he said was on the money, and I just followed his path, and I, I started doing the things. And then the next thing you know, like, 
he's like, hey, what did you think about this? You know, for the frogs, this Halloween thing. I'm like, I'm your Huckleberry. Like that's <laughs> that is my that is my wheelhouse. And it's entirely. And I, I kept being like, hey, you know, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I want you to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, but you know, what are the broad strokes of what you want, what you have in mind? He goes, well, this is what I have in mind, but I want you to do what you want to do. And you know, we had sessions where we bounce ideas off each other, and he had like Doctor Coffin, and like I kind of was just like. I love this idea. I'm going to run with this. And, you know, and, you know, talk about a person with, you know, the ego that lets the student run. It's Levi Combs, man. And like, I, you know, when we, when we put it all together and we're, we're looking at it, we're kind of reading it. We're going back and forth, cut a bunch of stuff out. Um, Cause we had to make a word count. And I read through it after we had gotten done with it. And I was like, I was so happy. I was happy. And I was like, I can't believe we did this. This is going to be great. Like, you know, I, I've been playing in bands since I was a kid. I've been around, you know, all different sides of the entertainment industry. And I've definitely been around things where, like, I'd, I'd hear it, I'd see it, I'd, I'd know people who are involved, and I'd be like, that's a hit. Like, that is, that's something that's going to get people's attention at the very least. And I, I really did feel that way about Harris Rot. So it was like awesome working with your homie and working mm-hmm. on something that you truly love. You know, which is horror, which is, you know, role-playing games and adventures. So, uh, yeah. dude, he's great. And, like, if you are familiar with his work, even marginally, uh, and you've seen him, you know, one more time than you've seen me on this show, uh, I can't stress enough that you should go out and you should buy something. Because mm-hmm. whatever you get, whether it's the Phylactery, whether it's Jungle Tomb and the Mummy Bride for DCC, or the 5e version, if you if you get Skull Kano Island. Uh, he's kickstarter for three curses for Sister Saren. I always want to say three meals for Sister Sarah. But yeah. like, you know. <laughs> or three, you yeah, know, three meals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever you get, you're going to be happy with. You're going to be excited about it. You're going to find something in there to be like, yeah, that's for me. And that's Levi Combs, man. He's the best. Yeah, and those of you who are uh, watching this or listening to this from Wisconsin this weekend, you'll be able to see him and get yeah. some of that stuff. So yeah. definitely, definitely go up to that independent publishers union table and and check out everything that's there. Because yeah, there's great guys. They're all my friends. That's uh, I mean, uh, you got Ian McGarty and you got uh, you know Telanian. What are you gonna do without Telanian, dude? That guy's. <laughs> That guy's red hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You got Levi. A, you got Rocky. Rocky. You got uh, Jim Wampler. You're going to have yeah. a Skeeter Green. There's a there's like a lot of different follicles going on in that group. So, <laughs> yep. <it's> a, yeah. <laughs> they, got, they got something for everyone there, man. Yeah, uh, man. But those guys, uh, it, it's like it's awesome because uh, – you know, it's like the 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 Levi Love Fest. I'll, I'll go pile on with that. Uh, he's he's been he hustles me constantly. He's been trying to keep me, you know, excited and interested in writing for as long as you know possible. I, I first met him like almost twenty years ago, you know, at a convention in uh, Oklahoma, and he was running Rapping Athic, and uh, I, I wrote some poems for that and play tested the hell out of it and. Uh, so it was like, it was cool. It's, uh, he and I, we've stayed in touch this whole time. You know, uh, he, he's like, we should write a module together. And I'm like, I, I don't think until he actually started his own company and started, and he does all of the, he does all of that. You know, I mean, he has hours and hours long meetings with his layout, uh, 
<laughs> you know, and he, he, he's like, uh, he works with his artists as hard as I work with my artists. A lot of them, similar artists. We, we share a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's awesome. Cause he's like, I don't think he realized how hard it is to ask me, Hey, let's write something that <laughs> until he got the job himself. But it's like, he, he totally understands that, you know, there's people like John who are out here who have had this dream of uh, creating some adventures, has great ideas. Uh-oh. 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 Casey disappeared. <laughs> he got so passionate talking about Levi, the internet kicked him off. Yep. And now you guys can see two of me, and Hambone is in the wrong place because Casey disappeared. Oh, I can hear you. It's now I'm, I'm here as Casey. <laughs> Body swap. Am I here? Uh, we can You're, hear you. We yeah, can't currently here. see you. Let me see if I can get the video to boot up again. There, there we it go. Is. That was there. weird. But anyways, I was, I was saying, you know, he, he came in with uh, John and he's like, hey, you know, he, 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 he grabs you by the arm and he says, let's do this, you know. Mm. And is gonna is then he's gonna hold you accountable for it, which is what's awesome about that as well. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's like uh, I just I dig it, man. I, I like uh, it's not some insider secret hidden boys club. And there's too many people in this business who try to make it a, a hidden insider boys club. It is not we are gamers. This is a hobby lifestyle that I live. I paint the minis until my eyeballs have gone blind. Uh, I make the art. I printed the 3d prints i buy a bunch of stuff and stuff because he's so awesome and i just love hanging out with that guy too these are all people i'm going to miss at game hole this weekend by the way but uh <laughs> alex cammer another great guy who's you know he's the real deal alex is the real deal he is 100 hands-on with every project that he works on uh i'm working on uh, the uh, end of everything with him right now and uh we're we're putting together art for that book and that's uh i mean way, way to title your adventure End of everything. Yep. That's it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Hambone. I got to echo something Casey said for a minute. And I I think that's, you know, and I love doing these, the dub doing these shows because I think it's, it's cool for people to see that you can break into the business. And I think the big, the big misnomer, the dirty secret is that it's not a good old boys club. Like you want to break into the business, show up. Yep. introduce yourself be friendly ask questions i mean if someone's a dick they're going to be a dick no matter what no but matter what majority mm. of the people that I, i've encountered like love talking about stuff because it's the, the thing that they love most in the world and they're going to be enthusiastic about talking about it and like if you encounter someone in the business who maybe rubs the wrong way go find someone else because there's plenty of people who are just like oh really you want to okay this is what you should do you know I have people since Levi mentored me. I have people reaching out to me because like you've done a, su- a successful Kickstarter. How can I do that? And I'll tell them. And it's just like, oh, all the artists that I use. I'm constantly trying to get all the artists that I use hired by other people because mm-hmm. you know my success and my and what I've been able to achieve with me and George building action from the ground up with me working this with Levi. Book is because of the people that I've surrounded myself with and the people that I've had the privilege to work with. You know, the editor, Megan, um, Tracy, Derek, and Cheese, who've laid out our books. Like, the 
11 or 12 artists that we bring on each book. Like I, I want to get them all work. I want them all go work for other people. I want them making money and having more money in their pockets and having more fun in their hearts from drawing monsters. Listen to this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it too. You just, yeah. just be, yeah. cool, man. just, just be cool and know that you aren't going to get there overnight. I mean, God bless anyone who's an overnight success. If lightning's going to strike you, stand still. Um, but <laughs> Dude, you can do it too. Don't be afraid, you know, and just just be open to the experience. And honestly, if someone rubs you the wrong way, don't let that dissuade you. Go find someone else because um, they probably don't like that person anyway and will help you out of spite. And, and that's one that's of the things true. that I, I really enjoy about having you guys on the show and, and, you know, being able to talk with you guys offline as well. Uh, I'm someone who's now trying to find my way into uh you know publishing games so you know that hearing you guys talk about your process and stuff is something that i i get a lot of value out of personally and i hope everyone out there who's who's watching this that you guys are getting the same thing out there and hopefully you're you're learning some some tips and tricks about how you want to get your projects off the ground yeah man just be cool yeah man start writing yeah or drawing you know, Al, Al Plastino, he's a pretty uh, renowned uh, comic book artist, late 50s. He drew Superman, Lois Lane, all of those books. He drew some Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we met him a year or two before he passed. And uh says to my daughter, draw every day. She goes, I do. He says, good. Now draw twice as much. You know, he's like, yeah. just just keep working and you're going to you're going to, you know, be kicking ass. And, uh, you know, my daughter does pretty all right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So as we're kind of reaching the end of our time here, I definitely want to, uh, give you guys another chance to, to talk about this project. What all kind of comes with, uh, these adventures? I know the, the campaign's closed now, but where can people pick them up? Um, uh, you know, just just kind of let everyone know uh, how they can still get a hold of the Halloween double feature of uh, Fungus God from Outer Space and Heresy of Rot. Okay, that's I guess me. <laughs> that's you. Yeah. That's me. Uh, as as a yeah. official, uh, let me put on my my official Frog God hat. Uh, <laughs> as a, uh, we are going to, as of last night, I was informed we are. Uh, all of the, everything is at the printers. Everything is at the printers. Proofs are back for Fungus God. Once they're approved, it's going to be 100% to the printer. Uh, we will be sending out the PDFs to all of the backers who backed already, either right before or right after Gamehole Con. So it'll be sometime in the next week or so. Uh, so all of the backers who backed for a, a prize of some sort, uh, on this Indiegogo will indeed be getting their PDF in the next like week to 10 days. So it'll be well before Halloween. And as they're all at the printer, it's going to be printing while everyone's at Gamehole Con, which means they should ship in time for everyone who back for a physical copy to get their physical copy by Halloween. Now, that said, I believe that... Uh, the PDF will be available as soon as, in our store as soon as the PDFs have shipped to all of our backers, which means they'll be able to purchase a digital copy 
on our web store sometime within the next, uh, how many days do we got? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 days. Within the next two weeks, they should be able to pick up digital copies of both uh, Heresy of Rod and Fungus God from Outer Space. Print copies, if they didn't get in on the uh, Kickstarter, they're going to have to wait on those, but those will be available at the web store right as soon as all of the final copies have been shipped to our official backers. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, on it by the by the hair of our chins but we are on it and it's uh looking good looking go and that's gonna save the people who back this double feature on shipping because they're getting two great books uh shipped to them with one shipping price which uh shipping has become such a nightmare paper's a nightmare and it's uh back your back your game back your game companies the ones you like the ones you love back them uh we all know the economy is in the in the pooper right now and there isn't anything anybody can do about that because we're not economists and uh, uh, we don't have trillions of dollars to fix any of that but what we do know is that uh, when you back our books when you purchase our products you're guaranteeing employment for no less than two dozen people that's a fact mm-hmm. that's it so. and that's awesome Absolutely. And uh, just to kind of round things out with one final question, because the product here that we're talking about is the Halloween double feature, uh, as we're closing, uh, let's all go around and build our ideal Halloween double feature, two movies that you would show back to back. So whoever wants to start first uh, can, can go ahead and start. I got it. Point at each other like Spider Man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to back, back to back, back to back. I'm gonna go. Uh, I I gotta watch original Halloween every every year. It's just like I said, it's got to be on there. But after I'm done watching original Halloween, say uh, we're done handing out trick or treats, all that kind of stuff. Everything's quite kind of quieting down. I'm sitting there with my glass of scotch or whatever, and got the shoes off, the makeups off, whatever costume we got on for the year. Uh, I'm putting in The Shining and I'm staying on it until I either uh, pass out or uh, white knuckle it to the very end. Gotcha. That's good. Uh, I would say 1988's The Blob and Monster Squad, back to back. I, I, I implore you, if you are watching this right now, when you're done watching this awesome show, watch another one of Ryan's awesome shows. But then when you're done with that, Go watch the 1988 Blob. It is a perfect horror movie um, from front to back. It's got freaking Kevin Dillon as the lead uh, of all and people. He kills it. He kills yeah. it. He kills it. He kills it. Nobody is doing anything less than giving their all. Nothing is left on the cutting room floor. People are chewing scenery left and right. Uh, and the creature effects are just awesome. And then the, the Monster Squad is the Monster Squad. So, Monster. yeah. Last squad. How about you, Ryan? So, historically, I've not been much of a horror guy. Um, However, there are a couple of horror-adjacent movies that I really like, and so I would build the ultimate action-horror double feature, and this might seem a little off-the-wall, putting these back-to-back, but I would show Aliens and then Blade. Yeah. All right. I want to see Aliens versus Blade. A- yeah, Aliens versus Blade would be awesome. God, I think we all just became friends. Let's go do karate <laughs> in the garage. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, you know, I, I love, uh, you know, talking with both of you guys and, you know, Casey, we, we need to bump the, the number of uh, Rolling Bones appearances up, man. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll get you back I need on to do just an later. art show. We should do an art show. We can screen post a bunch of the art and talk about my artist because it's too hard to get me to or for me to get them to get it on camera themselves. The... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Well, guys, that is going to do it for tonight's episode. Uh, you you all need to, you know, go check out these uh you know, the, these projects, I mean, both these guys have a lot of stuff that you can pick from, uh, you know, one of Casey's evergreen adventures is, you know, Feast of the Gobbler, Thanksgiving's coming up, so you guys definitely want to jump on that, Hambone's got 3-2-1 action, uh, and and all of the, the great stuff coming out, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting that Children of Uma book in my hand, so. Uh... It's 140 pages. Nice. Oof. Yeah, we just we just got the the PDF back. We got to do a little tweaking on it, but uh, it's 140 pages. There's art on almost every page. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's awesome. Yep, <laughs> it's thick. <laughs> and uh, just to let you guys know, what's coming up next week. Um, I I know we've talked a lot about Five E this month, but we're gonna do it one more time because uh, we're bringing on Victor Gorchev. You guys know him, the uh, the Dutch Wonder. He's coming on to talk about running uh, modern set urban fantasy type games in 5e. Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing him on. He, uh, yeah, he's definitely earned a spot on Rolling Bones, uh, and that way he won't be in chat trying to embarrass me. So uh, next week, Victor Gorchev will be on here, and uh, we'll have a great time. So until then, guys, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you all rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time. Thanks, Ryan.